Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 1 of a fanfiction titled Love and Starlight by today's guest fanfiction writer, Steampocalypse. There was a moment of silence. The universe had gone entirely still. It all went a bit wrong. The first thing Aurora could parse again was the sound of music. She had to take a second to realize it was coming from her connection with Terra. That was the first and only communication she'd get directly from them, and it would fade into the background but never entirely drop off for all her life. Her mother looked okay. A human was running around on her mother, putting signals into the air. Aurora had to take a second to parse the human language. She understood it, theoretically, but she wasn't used to having to. The words are unintelligible anyway. Everything was coming out static. Terra, her mother cried. The bond between a moon and their planet is a sacred thing. Aurora, looking back on it, had eventually realized that they had a history. Some sort of falling out. Thea regretted that now. Mum, Aurora said, not in so many words, but in a mess of emotions and images over their link. What's going on? I'm scared. Her mother didn't reply. All her thoughts that Aurora could feel were, Terra, Terra, Terra. Nothing more seemed to be happening. The other side retreated from what they had created. Aurora took a little while to calm down. But eventually, in a couple hundred years, this became her normal. A colony of humans lived on her mother, and Terra was a rotten planet, who was nothing but a living corpse. Her mother had become less cavalier, but found herself drifting away from Aurora, and began making an active attempt not to. Every month, she'd read her a story and talk to her, as opposed to before, where Aurora would pester her into doing it every few years. Despite this... A new kind of fear still lingered. Aurora's idyllic childhood had been shattered by that point everyone reaches at some point or another. Realization of death, and the death would shadow her from then on. The death of her mother still came as a shock. There was no warning. Moons hardly paid attention to humans. Aurora learned the details of the story soon after, but right then she had had no mind for the humans who had been left on Terra before their destruction and trapped there, undying. For hundreds of years. At three million, Aurora didn't yet know the angry, then-young immortal in a moment of thoughtlessness deciding that today, she would either reach the moon or have her revenge on the people that abandoned her. All Aurora's thoughts were for her mother. The explosion broke out across the sky, into an expanding ring that slammed into her and pushed her out of orbit. For a moment, Aurora's mother was as bright as a star, just another hole ripped into the fabric of Aurora's universe. And then, the outward force swept them apart. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world... Greetings from the wild arid desert of the American Southwest. 
I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fan fiction writer today is Steampocalypse. He's been a member of AO3 since 2019 and has 90 fan fictions currently posted for a fandom list so large that I can't name them all. But I'll mention that he does write for The Mechanisms and also the Star Trek fandoms, which is great. He likes classic sci-fi, mecha anime, and Bollywood movies. Hell yeah. In his free time, he loves hanging out with friends, drawing, listening to music, and practicing his dance moves. He lives with his family and one cat. Steampocalypse, welcome to FFM. How you doing, man? I'm so excited. I've been excited for like three months. Yeah, I know. It's it, We've had a busy recording schedule this year, so we've had to kind of plan things out in advance a lot. So I know you've been waiting an awful long time. And here we are, finally, in April, which is super cool. I want to hear more about these dance moves, dude. Like, what kind of dance moves are we talking about? Well, I break dance. <laughs> nice. I like it. I'm not very good, but I'm part of a little crew at my school. With some of my friends. Score. But I've just always been interested in dance. I took dance classes for my PE elective in middle school. And I took Indian classical dance when I was really young. So, and lately I've been trying Bollywood dance. Oh, that's so fun. You know, looking at the videos and like copying them. Yeah. I don't don't know how good a dancer I am, but. Well, it doesn't even matter as long as you're having fun. I love dancing. I've never once taken a lesson or anything. So like, I'm sure my dance moves are crap, but I love doing it. So it doesn't even matter what it looks like, right? As long as it brings you joy. So I think that's so super cool. And Bollywood, like, that's always so much fun. I got into Bollywood movies back when I was in my 20s, I think. I saw my first one and I was like, oh, this is so stinking cool. I love this. So That's super cool that you try to do those and everything. The dance troupe that you're part of with your school, do you guys ever perform or is it just kind of an informal thing that you guys do during breaks between classes and stuff like that? It's an informal thing, but we meet after school and if we get good enough, we've been to like one or two like hip hop events. And if we get good enough, there's like breakdancing battles where you go against each other and then like get judged. Oh, nice. Nice. Wouldn't that be the dream, huh? Yeah, but no one has any self-confidence on our team. <laughs> well, the, the one guy with self-confidence sucks. <laughs> Which, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. As long as y'all are having fun, right? Yeah, as we are. As long as it's fun. So that's awesome. I love that. Well, all dancing aside, go ahead and tell us about your history with, uh, with fan fiction. How did you discover fan fiction? Well, I used to, when I was into things as a kid... I used to just Google them and then go and look at Google images and like look at all the fan art and stuff. And one day uh, I was looking up Harry Potter. This was how I discovered like Potter Puppet Pals and like a very Potter musical and stuff previously. So I was a fan of this method of just Googling Harry Potter and seeing what came up on my like giant orange iPad. <laughs> I did look it up on my desktop computer because I shared that with my sister. We had an iPad like bigger than my head and I stumbled across a fan fiction link and I clicked on it and I was like, what is this? And I exited out of it 
I was like, what the hell am I reading? Oh, do you remember if that link went to, was it like an AO3 link or was it a different it site? It was fanfiction.net. Oh, fanfiction.net. God, what was, it was like Snape slash James. So that's why I was like, what am I reading? Oh, Snape slash James. That's one of my favorite books. Well, it's not my favorite favorite. Snary's my favorite, but I've read several Snape slash James. I have to say, there's some very interesting dynamic there because they have such an antagonistic relationship in canon. So it is really interesting to kind of explore that with fan fiction. But I'm sure that that was a little bit shocking for you when you found that. So you yeah. clicked it right out of it and you're like, well, nope. <laughs> you noped right out. So what happened after that? Well, I didn't change my ways, and I ended up finding Harry Potter the Methods of Rationality, which I really liked. So that basically brought me around. I was like, okay, I see. You can write about normal things. <laughs> okay, so w is that the name of a like a fan fiction? Yeah, it's a pretty... I think it has its own like sub-fandom in Harry Potter, even. Harry Potter the Methods of Rationality. It's like Harry Potter, but everyone's like very smart and it reminds me a bit of Ender's Game if you've read that the author clearly did because he references it I have yeah. Harry is like this young kid who's very smart but is still like getting manipulated by Voldemort who's like a goddamn genius oh so that's cool yeah. okay so you found that and you were like okay I can sort of get into this this is kind of more up my alley and eventually I ended up making a Wattpad account to post my own ideas because I don't think I found Harry Potter fic on Wattpad. I read it after I on Wattpad after I joined Wattpad. I read the one where Draco turns into a ferret and lives in Harry's house. But I think I found some Wings of Fire fan fiction on there and Wattpad always pesters you to create an account if you try and read stuff on it in a way that like fanfiction.net and AO3 don't really. So I ended up making an account I think the first fic I published on there, I was reading this like What If Wings of Fire series and I didn't like how they handled one of their situations. So I went and I wrote it myself. Was that the first time that you ever tried writing fan fiction? Pretty much. But I did write Percy Jackson self-insert as a kid. Oh, right on. I did a lot of writing. I kept all my notebooks too, so I could still look at them and read like what I wrote when I was like eight or nine and occasionally that dipped into fan fiction but I never like it was mostly original stories I never really went with the intent to make fan fiction before then so let me ask you a question because um a lot of folks in my age range we've heard of Wattpad but it's not what we grew up with because it just it didn't exist <laughs> back then so like I remember fanfiction.net and obviously AO3 and all of that. But I do have a lot of people more my age who have started asking questions about Wattpad because we just don't know much about it. So I have had people kind of, you know, send me messages every now and then and be like, you know, you should talk about Wattpad sometime on the show because that's that's interesting. We I just mean, don't know I a lot about that. I haven't been on Wattpad on a couple of years, but I'm totally willing to talk about it. Well, I'm just kind of wondering, um, now that you have had experience with both AO3 and Wattpad. If you were to try to compare those experiences, how would you describe the differences, I guess, between Wattpad and AO3? Wattpad has a much more 
detailed interface. Like AO3, you kind of have like the HTML, the like mostly text. And Wattpad's very bright colored, so it's a very different vibe just to be on. And I can navigate AO3 on my Kindle, but you know, I can't navigate Wattpad on my Kindle. I would also say Wattpad actually lends itself a lot better to long, to multi-chapter stories. And AO3 lends itself better to one-shots. Why is that? I'm not sure. On Wattpad, there's just kind of a pressure to write more chapters. Like if you have one chapter, people don't read it. Or they just kind of assume that you dropped it. Like, I wouldn't read works with one chapter on Wattpad, but then I see something with, like, you know, one slash one chapters on AO3, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. On Wattpad, if you have a work in progress and you only post the one chapter, can people tell that it's a work in progress, or all they'll see is that it's a work with just one chapter? I don't remember, but I think you can tell. You can mark your works as complete, so... And of course, there's original fiction on Wattpad. On Wattpad, yeah. I know that there's original fiction on AO3 too. You just kind of have to go looking for it on purpose, I guess. Yeah, on Wattpad, they promote it. They have contests and stuff. If I was to ask you which platform you prefer, what would you say now that you have experience with both? AO3. But I feel like people say like AO3 is definitely better than Wattpad. I think it's more complicated because... I really like some parts of Wattpad, like the line-by-line commenting and the kind of, it's more of a social media, so you can kind of form a bit more of a community on there. Yes, we had a writer on a little bit ago who kind of said the same thing, that there's more social media capabilities with Wattpad and more like ways to interact, I guess, with your readers. And then they pointed out the line-by-line commenting abilities, too. And they were like, it is kind of (laughs) cool that you can do that. Whereas with AO3, you can only comment, you know, on a chapter or what have you. Yeah, if you want to comment on a line, you you have to, like, copy-paste it down. (laughs) Yeah, well, plus you can only leave kudos once on a work in AO3. And I know it's like a running joke with all of us, right? Where we're like, oh, we wish we could kudos this more than once or do a kudos by chapter or something, you know, but we can't, we can only do it once per work. So it's kind of a bummer. But, oh, you know, the other question that I had, I know that you are, you're still in high school. um, So you're kind of like on that, the younger scale of up and coming, you know, people in fan fiction. And I always like to ask folks who are a little bit on the younger scale with this, because, you know, in my day, (laughs) in my day, fan fiction was kind of the secret thing that we didn't talk to our friends about. We didn't talk to other people about. We just kind of kept it a secret to ourselves. But I have been noticing that younger generations are a lot more open with discussing fan fiction in real life with their real life friends and real life groups of people that they associate with and stuff. So I was hoping to just get your experience with that. Do you feel like in your experiences in high school, is fan fiction still kind of this secret thing for you? Or is it something that you're able to talk about openly with friends who are also into it? Like, what's the scene these days? I'm definitely able to talk about it openly. I mean, I also live in a big city and a very liberal city. You could definitely talk about fan fiction with your friends. I mean, I would still think for a second before sending someone like my AO3. But I mean, I have like six people who I follow on Tumblr who I got their Tumblrs from in real life. 
And I could see them reblogging like fandom posts on Tumblr. So it kind of just seems like more people in your real life are kind of into this same thing. So it's more acceptable to kind of talk about it in real life situations. Actually, can I tell you a story? Absolutely. So I've got this friend that I sit with in chemistry. Well, not anymore because our suits got changed. Very sad. And we both like fan fiction, right? We're both nerds. We like different things. But so we're sitting and talking and we start arguing about Omegaverse. In class? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or like just joking about it. I don't know. And we're forgetting to keep our voices down and we're just like going at each other. And then my friend like points and I'm like, what are you doing like a finger gun at me? I'm like, hey, and I like finger gun them. What's up? And my friend's like pointing behind me. I'm like, what? And I turn and my chemistry teacher's standing right there silently, just like looking at us. I'm never going to recover. The poor chemistry teacher was like, what are you talking about? I do not understand these words. He's just standing there with like his arms crossed. But, you know, then he said I was a pleasure to have in class on my report card. So, Oh, see, see. And he didn't even have to mention fan fiction in the report card comments. So that's great. That's super great. Yeah, it just seems like because more people you know, in the younger generations are online. So y'all would be more, I don't know, open to discussing these things and just more aware of things like fan fiction. Whereas, you know, <laughs> when I was in high school, it was kind of one of those things that not a lot of people knew about. So I was kind of weird. I mean, like I said, I didn't like always know what it was. It wasn't talked about in like elementary school or sixth grade right 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 you kind of had to do your google searches and find it the organic way like the rest of us that's still really cool though now what about your favorite things about fan fiction in general what are your favorite things about fan fiction and what do you think makes fan fiction unique and interesting i really love how it's like a love letter to the canon like It's a really unique way to show your appreciation for things you really like, you know, that made you think and uh, feel things. And it lets you expand on that. I kind of take this active role or even this analytical role. Like, I think fan fiction is a really good tool for analyzing what you've read and kind of further understanding it. And it just brings you... so much closer to that media you enjoy and I don't know I just love how it's done out of passion and love like if someone has like you know they've written a hundred works for the same thing that's something they really care about and that's something they know a lot about the source right and something they really enjoy or at least like Maybe they have beef with it, but they like care about it enough. Yeah, no, I love those two points so much because I agree with you that it's really, really cool to see people engage with something to such a passionate level of love that they want to deconstruct it and then create something new out of it, right? Like that's always really cool to see. And I agree with you on your point that Fan fiction is this tremendous way of being able to engage with the content to such a way that you really do have to analyze it on a different level and really think critically about it, especially when you're writing, right? You don't necessarily get that same level if you're not 
writing fan fiction or, I don't know, reading it critically, I guess, in my case, <laughs> I'm a reader. But yeah, I really, really love that because I've always felt like fan fiction writers in particular have this amazing grasp on the original like canon content because you have to understand it to this deep level in some way in order to deconstruct it. They really get something deep about whatever it is they're writing about. Yes, exactly. And you have to understand the characters and write in their voices and everything, you know? Yes, exactly. So that's always really cool to see. And I think it really probably builds like writing and analysis and like thinking skills. Like, Yes, I would agree with you. I've talked to many fan fiction writers who have said that the analyzing skills that they've gained through fan fiction writing, they've been able to transfer some of those skills to their real life careers. You do learn a lot of interesting things with analyzing and writing and trying to understand things on that deep level. So um, that's always really cool to hear when people say that. We're actually talking about a fandom today that I had never heard of before in my entire life. So you're going to have to kind of give us some background here because I'm guessing that a lot of people are not going to know what this is. But uh, your fan fiction today, the first one that I read was called Love and Starlight, and it is tagged for the Dr. Carmilla and the Mechanisms fandoms. And I had no idea what that was until I read this fan fiction and I tried to do a little bit of research on this. I understand that the Mechanisms, I believe, is a concept band. Yeah, they're a concept band. Yeah, so give us a little bit of background on what what is the mechanisms and what is Dr. Carmilla? What is all that stuff? So they're a band from England. They play like, is Filk the word? Like folk music, but they've changed the lyrics. And each of the members of the band plays a character who narrates the stories and is like, shows up to the shows and like banters with the audience um, and acted character throughout their performances. Yeah, it seemed kind of like an RPG thing going on on top of the music. Because it seemed like each member has their own backstory of who they are, you know, that has nothing to do who they actually are in real life as like a person. <laughs> but it kind of brings this really cool backstory to the band that's totally fictional. Each of the albums is a story set in this universe. And the mechanisms may be involved uh, in the story and character. They're always involved in some way, but, but they usually don't have that big of an influence. And the stories, there's a, they all retell some kind of fairy tale or myth as like this grand science fiction tragedy. So they have Once Upon a Time in Space, which is like Brothers Grimm stuff. And it's this big civil war where this General Snow White is trying to rescue her sister, Rose Red, who's been kidnapped by Old King Cole and cloned into a super clone army. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So each album is its kind of own universe or story. That's pretty cool. That they have the Greek mythology. They have... Arthuriana, they have like King Arthur, uh, High Noon of a Camelot, and uh, then they have Norse mythology. 
Now, how does Dr. Carmilla fit into this whole thing with the mechanisms? Is that a separate thing or? The band was originally Dr. Carmilla and the mechanisms. So where the mechanisms were her backing band. Because in real life, uh, this musician, Maki Yamazaki, had the idea, I'm fairly sure, and like brought the people together and did a lot of the forming of the law. But then they broke up, like the band broke up. So in universe, they said, oh, well, we've pushed Dr. Camilla out an airlock. Oh, so there was a story behind why. Yeah, and now we're like on our own. Okay, okay. So at one point they did create music together, but now it's more separate. Got it. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so their backstories are tied together, but they've gone and done their own stuff after the fact. My fic is tagged with both because it's spanning such a long period of time. Let's talk about Love and Starlight. What is this fan fiction about? And then where did you get the idea for this fic from? So Love and Starlight is the story, the full story of the starship Aurora, who is the spaceship that the mechanisms fly around in. But she's sentient and she is in a relationship with their violinist. And that's all of the basic information we're really given about her. That's the information you can find immediately. Because what they're performing, there are the nine members who are played by people, plus Dr. Carmilla, who's played by a person. And they can go on stage and, you know, act in character and stuff. But Aurora's like, she's their ride, you know, she's a giant spaceship. She's up in space. So the information on her is a lot vaguer because you can't see her. She's just this character that exists inside of the lore. Yeah, she's more of a concept. Yeah, but she's my favorite one in the band. And you can actually find a little more about her or quite a bit more about her if you're a crazy person like me. (laughs) But they have fiction on their website, which are short stories set in the Mechanisms universe which most of the fans read. So those have a little more of Aurora. But I really like her, and I'm really interested in the deep lore. The fic is my attempt to draw everything together to write, like, a comprehensive backstory of this character. So do you feel like most of the information that you put in your fic about Aurora, is that mostly pulled from the information you found during your research? Or did you find yourself having to make stuff up too? Some of it is made up. Most of it is pulled in some way and then expanded on. Okay. Like there are these canon touchstones spread throughout the whole thing. Oh, okay. Well, that's really, really cool. And I, try, I tried to make it accurate. I actually changed uh, some bits for the sake of a coherent story. Like, because... When you get really down into it, nothing is authoritatively canon. It's not fanon either. It's like stuff scrounged up that might have been jossed or might be, uh, might hold true, you know? I changed some small bits of it. Well, most fan fiction writers end up doing that though, right? You take what you want from what's out there 
And then, you know, fan fiction is great for that. But you're totally allowed to just make stuff up or change it how you want to to fit your particular story. And it's just always really fun to explore things that way. I really liked how this story really did explore Aurora. You know, it's mostly told from her point of view the whole way through. And it was just really interesting, the emotional journey that you kind of take her through, because a lot of stuff happens to her. And it was also really interesting, like how old she is, you know, because oh, of yeah. what she is. They're so they're so damn old, like they're mortal and they finally die. They have the death to the mechanisms. And it's like at the end of the universe, this happened. And I'm like, OK, whatever. I could give a short little summary of the actual events in the fic if you want. Absolutely. So the fic starts out when Aurora's a child. She's like a moon child orbiting Dr. Carmilla's home planet. And uh, Carmilla is having her plot that we kind of know about, but is also extrapolated by me. And uh, her home planet gets destroyed, and then she ends up destroying one of this planet's moons, which is Aurora's mother. And that basically sends Aurora off into space with Dr. Carmilla, who becomes like this mother figure to her, but Aurora also knows that Camilla's killed her mother. And then they get separated, and Aurora ends up on Siberia, which is another canonical place, where they make her into this biomechanical starship. And then they have a revolution on Siberia, and Aurora leaves with Dr. Camilla and Nastya and Johnny, who are two of the band members. And they basically live together on this spaceship for ages and start collecting more people until finally Dr. Carmilla leaves and the mechanisms have to manage for themselves on their own. And the story ends with a death to the mechanisms um, with Aurora and Raffaella Lacognizzi flying into a black hole. And Carmilla says a final goodbye to Aurora. Yeah. I actually really loved how the fic ended because, you know, you were talking earlier about how the mechanisms, their, the creation of their music and their albums are kind of based on different things. You talked about Grimm's fairy tales at one point, you know, being one of the things that some of these stories are based on. And uh, when you go in and read these old Brothers Grimm fairy tales, most of them, well, not most, but a lot of them end in tragedy you know they have these sad melancholy endings and I felt like you stayed true to that yeah that's the me the mechanism's whole ethos is their stories always end in some sort of tragedy yeah and I loved that no happy endings right no happy endings I mean which is the name of one of their songs yeah. so. it was just a really interesting and a place to end on for the fic because at the end of the story, you feel like you've been on this really long journey and very emotional journey with Aurora, you know, and you're kind of attached to her at that point because you do a really good job of fleshing her out and giving us her perspectives and the way that she sees the world and what she's thinking and feeling. And then it's like, oh, now we have to say goodbye to her because she's going to die. Like she's been alive for all this time. And we're talking like billions of years. It's like, oh, my God. But um, but it felt true, like without even knowing anything about the mechanisms or anything. It felt true. It's a closure, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
it's interesting to me that you did start kind of not necessarily at Aurora's beginning, but early enough in her history so that we get a good glance at what the emotional arcs are for her story because you do start us in that place where she remembers orbiting around with her mother moon and the fix told over her whole life and also like this last month of her life where she is reminiscing right she's kind of reminiscing and thinking back about all of these experiences that she's had and you take us through the death of her mother which was really interesting I was wondering because there's a lot happening in this fic. There's a lot of different plot lines and there's just a lot happening. Do you have a favorite line or scene from this whole thing that was your favorite to come up with and write? I wouldn't say I have a favorite scene, but I definitely have a few favorite lines. So this line, which Camilla says, she says, Sometimes love is like that. It can be bloody and broken and awful, but you have to continue on with it because you care about them so much you can't bear to ever let them go because that's kind of both a central theme of the fic and a theme of Carmilla. Carmilla is such an amazingly complex character and I really wanted to get that across here. Mostly... The couple lines where I get something across in like one sentence and then I move on. Like, going back to simpler times wasn't an option, but she wished it was. The Roar who still loved Nastia was better than the Roar who didn't. And the Roar who still loved Camilla, despite everything, was better than both of them. Aurora struggled to remember what it was like to be young. Because at that point, we're really late in the fic. And it's just... I've tried through this thing to get across her growth. I think Aurora's growth is the most important thing in the fic besides any specific seeds. Like, the seeds are just to break it up, right? So it's not only going across huge stretches of time you get in a little personal. I did like the cake seed. That was just fun. Yes, it seemed like you were having fun. But I love that you brought up that Aurora's like growth was like a central theme for this fic because that's exactly what I kind of walked away with when I finished the whole thing. I thought, wow. And the thing that struck me the most, I think, about this whole story is the way that you dealt with Aurora's limited choice in this whole story because she finds herself in a lot of situations where she doesn't really have much of a choice. She's a side character, right? She's like this passive character. Some writers don't even give her a voice. They're like, she can only communicate with Nastya. Right. She has limited capabilities for communication. And most of the things that end up happening to her were not her choice. They happened to her. And I feel like that is something real for a lot of us out here in real life. Not all the time, but a lot of times as we go throughout our life, We do sometimes find ourselves in situations or scenarios where we don't have a choice either. Things sometimes just happen to us. And what do you do in a situation like that where you feel like you have very little power or choice? And it was very interesting to see the ways that Aurora chose to 
deal with those because even in the situations where she didn't have much autonomy or choice, she could still make the choice on how she thought about that thing happening to her or how she felt about that thing happening to her. We don't always get to choose our emotions, but sometimes we can guide our emotions a little bit, you know, here and there. And I felt like she did make those choices. So it was just very interesting to me how she chose to use the places where she could choose. It seems like she chose to see things in a certain way and have a certain perspective. I was especially interested in the ways that she thought about what happened between um, her mother and Carmilla, because she acknowledges at several points in this story that she's well aware that Carmilla's the one that killed her mother. And she has to live with that and grapple with that for the rest of the fic. But she also understands on some level that Carmilla is one of the only people left in her life who she can communicate with and she doesn't want to be alone. Yeah, and Carmilla, like, Carmilla comes into her life immediately after she loses her mother. And Carmilla, in character, in her own story, considers herself Aurora's parent. This entire story is from Aurora's point of view, but when you see what Dr. Carmilla says in character, what Maki Yamazaki says as Dr. Carmilla, she's always like, oh yeah, my kids, my crazy kids. Right, and I, I just felt that that must have been so complicated for Aurora from her point of view. Because on the one hand, this is the person responsible for the death of your actual real parent. But on the other hand, she's all you have left. And what do you do with that? So it was just very interesting to me, the ways that she chose to perceive that, the ways that she chose to think about that, and how she just kind of decided how she was going to handle that. It was very interesting to me. You said in your author's note for this fic that this was the longest thing that you've written so far. You do a lot of one shots, which is super great. I love one shots. So there's nothing wrong with that at all. But this had three parts to it. Technically, it has three chapters. Those chapters are very long. So even in those three chapters, you're talking about like these are really big, long chapters. So I imagine that you learned some interesting things in the process of writing your largest fic to date. I was just wondering, as you reflect back on working on this project, what are some of the things you learned about writing something so long? I definitely feel like I can realize more looking back on it now that I started with the beginning. I wrote it in order. So as I went along, I wanted to more and more to be like finished. Like the the third chapter is the shortest for a reason. (laughs) You're like, I'm done. (laughs) There's a bit where it's like, Aurora met Frankenstein's AI and talked to them. And that was like, I'm not, I'm not writing a whole other scene with a whole other character being like, yeah, I murdered my mom like five million times. Whatever they do in that mini album. <laughs> so if I went back and wrote it again, I would write the most important parts first and the parts I have inspiration for first. So I don't go and later want to leave them out. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yes. And I did edit the fic, but it was literally just like I transcribed it 
I wrote it longhand and then I transcribed it and changed parts. And I think if I had done it more recently, I might have actually let it sit for a moment. So I don't have the thing of like, oh, I could just finish this and then I could post it and everyone could finally look at it. Oh, I see what you're saying. You would have let more time lapse between finishing the fic and the editing process. Yeah. I see. Even if just not to like make my goal to publish it, but rather to like get it done to my satisfaction. I think those are two really great things to learn in the writing process. I'm so funny because I didn't even know for a long time that it was an option to write a story out of order. I always just thought that, you know, you start at the beginning and then you have your middle and you have your end and you're supposed to write everything linearly. I did not know that it was an option to write the things that you're really excited about and that you have passion for first and then kind of fill in the parts between. And then I started talking to fic writers for the podcast and realized like, oh, There's all these people who were doing it out of order, and that's the way that they like to do it because it makes more sense, and it's just funner, and you know, what have you. And that was such a huge revelation to me. I did not even know that you could do that. So that's a very cool thing for you to learn because, um, yeah, for some people, that works a lot better. For others, it doesn't. I've talked to other writers, too, who are like, nope, I have to write literally. I write in order. Like, if you find any random fic I wrote. I mean, they're all one shots, which is why. But I wrote them in order. Oh, have you ever written anything out of order? Yeah. For my my long fic that I'm trying to work on now, my untamed fic, I have had ideas and then I've got up and written them down. And sometimes in the editing stage of whatever I'm writing, I'm like, oh, this needs more of a beginning. And I go and write the beginning. But... No, in in general, I write in order. Oh, yeah. One day I'd like to try writing something out of order because I've only ever written anything in order too. One day I want to try it out of order just to see what that feels like. Just to see, does this work for me? If you know where you start and you know where your middle wants to be and you know where you want to end, which I usually do, then like there's no reason you shouldn't be able to work in any of those areas, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you're not contradicting yourself. You're not like writing a mysterious future scene that may or may not happen. Nah, I'm writing the ending. This is how it ends. I mean, ending first, that's all. Precisely. You would kind of have to know where you're going in the fic to be able to do that uh, in a way that works (laughs) instead of a way that just uh, is frustrating. But talk to me a little bit about your, I mean, you have lots of fics, but I know that we wanted to kind of touch on um, one of your one shots today, you wrote a one shot for the Star Trek universe called Memory Lane. We have to specify which Trek universe we're talking about here. I happen to love Deep Space Nine. It's one of my favorites, right? Because I grew up on Deep Space Nine. I was a teenager when that was airing in the 90s. So I got to see those <laughs> as they came out. And Jadzia Dax has always been a fascinating character for me. And that's what your one shot fic Memory Lane is all about. It's from Jadzia Dak's point of view. Talk to me ab- about this fic a little bit. So it's 929 words, which is a lot closer to the stuff I normally write. You can tell by how a 26k fic is still the longest thing I've ever written. But it's basically this character study of Jadzia Dax and specifically... A character study of 
Dax it's trying to figure out the fluidity between the different hosts and what it means for them all to be in one person and I'm also trying to like subtly take a second and examine some of the things about Jadzia like she worked extremely hard to get the symbiont and uh, then she uh, was refused right or she I don't remember but she had a really hard time before finally getting it and a lot of stress around that even though she's now such a laid-back person and she's also been willing to put her life above the symbionts which is something I wanted to talk about here and just the society puts the symbionts above the hosts right and it puts the young people through so much stress in order to get a symbiont I want to get something that would really get that conflict across yeah well I thought that you did a tremendous job with that I wrote it before finishing Deep Space Nine too actually this is my first Star Trek fic Deep Space Nine was the first Star Trek show I saw And I wrote this when I was like halfway through Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Deep Space Nine just has such a such a special place in my heart. It was so different to me than all of the other Star Treks. I love all the Star Treks, but some of them are definitely like more my favorite than others. And and Deep Space Nine was such a beautiful concept and so well executed that I just thought, oh, man. But one of the things I did appreciate the most about Deep Space Nine was how they did go into all of those issues with the Trill, because we don't really know much about the Trill before yeah, Deep Space Nine. We just meet Nine. them for like a second of they have like funky makeup. Exactly. You meet them here and there in other Star Trek series, but you never really get to explore what that's all about until you start digging into Jadzia Dax a little bit. And it was so interesting the way that they always kind of do that juxtaposition between her as the host. And she is an individual person, but then she also hosts, you know, this symbiont. And they're the same person. Yeah, they're the, technically the same person. So it's like multiple lifetimes. So it spans all of these really interesting concepts like reincarnation even though it's not technically reincarnation it's kind of the same concept and then you have the gender issues on top of that right because Jadzia as the individual she's a female individual but all of these symbiont lifetimes that she's taking on a lot of these were different genders you know so she has all these memories of being a man a woman a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, you know, like all of this stuff in her head. So many different life experiences. Yes. All of these really interesting life experiences. She's a really wise person. She is. And it's, it was always funny to me how sometimes she would have likes and dislikes as Jadzia Dax that she absolutely got from some of those symbionts past lives, (laughs) like her penchant for Klingon coffee. Remember that? She liked that because one of her prior hosts liked it. And that kind of carries over to her personality after she joins with the symbiote. So it was all just very interesting. But I did love this fic because it does kind of go into her mindset and kind of what she had to go through before even being chosen as the symbiote. Because you're right, the process on Trill 
to be chosen as a symbiont. I didn't know before they told us that in the show that not every Trill gets to join with a symbiont. I always assumed that that was the case, but she told us at some point in the show, nope, not everybody gets to join. Only some people are chosen and you have to go through this whole long, stressful process to get chosen. Yeah, and I kind of, I want to show like the connection between all these hosts as different people who have had to go through this difficult process and how they reacted to that and how that's all kind of a part of Gen Z's experience. Exactly. So I think that was a tremendously compelling thing for you to kind of focus on and want to do a character study on because there are so many different levels and layers to that. So it was very, very cool. Absolutely. What about... um? You talked a little bit about the editing process before and things like that. Do you feel like editing is one of those things that you like to do? Or is it kind of one of those things that you feel like you have to do and you don't like it? I'm just kind of wondering what your favorite part of the writing process is. Well, editing, I don't necessarily like or dislike it. But if I want to keep writing my story, I want the bits that I'm writing from to be nice. Like the spit it all out first draft. I do those a bit, but in general, I just want to have this thing that I go back and edit as I write so that it flows with the next part I want to write and the next part. But how my process is, is that I have a notebook and I write this very first draft of this fic. Like it's usually quite a bit shorter, just the story they have in my head. And then I go and type it up, and that's my editing process, is just elaborating on it and changing the details. So you write things longhand with ink and paper? Yeah, most of the time. I love that. I've heard a couple of other fanfiction writers say that, and for them, that act of doing something with their hand, you know, and a piece of paper and a pen and everything, that just does something in their brain where they're able to kind of take themselves through the story that way and then they do the same thing once they're kind of done with that part then they'll transfer it over to the computer and type it out and edit things as they go and everything Uh, so that's really cool that you do that I love that I feel like we're computers like so much in our lives and there's so much to do and so many distractions but also like it's just a little stressful to be in front of a computer for so many hours in the day So if I'm doing my hobby, I want it to be something not on the computer that's not like schoolwork or whatever that I could really enjoy. Right, right. Well, and the great thing about the notebook and the pen is that you don't need any technology to make that work. You don't need a Wi-Fi connection. You don't need your laptop to have power to be plugged into the wall socket or anything like that. (laughs) You can literally take that notebook anywhere. You know, outside, to a park, to the beach, whatever you want to do. And you can do it anywhere. And you don't need technology to work and cooperate in order to make that happen. So that's always really nice to just go old school with it. I love that. Oh, but actually the favorite part of the writing process that's not really editing related, which is what I'm writing, I make a million jokes to myself, like as part of the fic, that I later go and cut out like half of them to fit the tone but like whatever fic I'm writing I end up just making the characters like wisecrack to each other about what whatever's going on or write like a little joke that I find amusing (laughs) 
That's how you make it fun for yourself, right? Uh, that's the part I enjoy most. Oh my God. That's amazing. Just ent- entertaining myself. Exactly. Exactly. Because ultimately you're writing these things for you first. And some of my favorite fics I've written are like crack taken seriously fics. <laughs> Well, you know, crack taken seriously is an old honored tradition in fan fiction. So you're in good company for writing stuff like that, for sure. <laughs> I love that. Do you have any other fan fiction writers that you wanted to shout out on the podcast today? Uh, yeah, I have one. My friend Garrick, G-A-R-E-C-C, who's the one who got me into the mechanisms. They're probably my longest online friend that I've stayed in touch with. Like, I had some Wattpad friends who I don't talk to anymore, but... So we've been friends for a really long time. We're really close. We're both into the mechanisms. And they write these amazing, like, poetic-style fics. Like, it's different from anything else you've read. They write for the the mechanisms and uh, Dream SMP and Trials of Apollo as well. We're both into that. And they just have a beautiful writing style. It feels very unique. It feels uh, incredible. And they're crazy prolific, so I don't have a specific fic of theirs that I want to shout out, but like... Well, that's okay. What we'll do is we'll put links up on the show notes, and then people can check out the profile and just see what's out there, right? Because that's so cool. I think that's so great to have friends in the same fandoms that we're in so we can get excited together about the characters and the stories that we're working on. There's something about that I think that's really special. So I'm really glad that you have at least one really good friend who happens to be in some of the same fandoms with you because I'm sure it's a lot of fun working on projects kind of side by side and giving each other that encouragement. I want to say we've co-written fic, but I don't know if we actually have. But we've come up with entire plots together and we've actually like role played stuff out. Yeah. Well, and you don't even have to co-write anything together. Sometimes just working on separate projects at the same time, you know, and getting feedback from them or encouragement. Sometimes that's all it takes, you know, sometimes that makes all the difference. Did you have any last words today about fan fiction before we end our show? No, just that I'm really happy to have been on this show. And I really like listening to it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun to talk to you today and learn about a new fandom. We really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Check out his stories on AO3 and give him some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Rolling.